You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with the silent PH in the middle, and the gentleman who's swishing his hands together very close to his mic is my co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello. Hello, everybody. That is my... um. I learned from Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi-san, when he wants to heal any injury in the world, he does the clap and he, yeah. he does That's, his hands uh, and then he fixes it. Mr. Miyagi, or Sensei Love Miyagi, it. because yes. he's not, he's, he's above Miyagi-san. Uh, yeah. Hello, welcome everybody. I have, I'm getting over a cold. It's not COVID because I did tests. <laughs> Because we, I was like, how else can you catch anything right now? Anything else besides COVID? If somebody has a non-COVID like, uh, COVID sickness, I'm just like, are you sure? But apparently, I just have some kind of run-of-the-mill cold, and I'm getting better today. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, I have my finger on the mute button in case I have to sneeze and or cough. <laughs> so, uh, But welcome. We're very excited to have you guys here. We're going to talk about okay. a whole bunch of stuff today. Um, about the world of uh, D&D and tabletop RPGs. Um, and, and yeah, and, but first of all, are you surviving the cold? Isn't there like a crazy freezing thing coming through your neck of the woods? Yeah, I feel Commonly like known as Canada, just encroaching yeah, further and further yeah. south. We're always pretty close to them anyways, so Michigan is, is in that way. But, Michigan? Uh, is that where you're from? Yeah. Mi- Michigan. Okay. Southern, southern part. We call it southern Canada in some ways. Okay. Yeah. It's uh no, it's twenty two degrees beard. out. Oh yeah. So yeah, you know, feels like seventeen. Nice. If you're riding a motorcycle like I did yesterday, it feels like negative four, five or six, something in there. <laughs> it's super cold. Yeah, so and I saw some flurries out there. It's gray skies for the last week and a half. So it's been dreary, wintry here already, and I'm ready to move to like the Bahamas or something. <laughs> well, there so. you go. <laughs> uh yeah, I, yeah. Some of the I have family in North Dakota, and I'm just like these winters, like holy cow. Yeah. But, what were um, you thinking? So uh, we were talking. So this we're gonna talk about Mordecai's Monsters of the Multiverse, which is we talked about it last week. Uh, yep. Not the the. Well, yeah, we talked about it last week because there are lots of uh, changes to the races and things like that. There's also going to be mm-hmm. a, a whole slew of monster changes. Um. And people were curious if this is, like, errata or if this is, like, a new product. It's kind of it's kind of weird, you know? Is it canon? <laughs> well, that was what we were talking about last week. Uh, right. So I'm I'm curious about this because I I didn't really think about it until recently. But um, uh, I own a lot of books on D and D Beyond. I know you probably do as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those books get. Uh, or sections of the book get updated. Um, right. So the Goliath that was in Elemental Evil Player's Companion, when Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden came out, there were changes to the Goliath. I think they got Cold Resistance and some other stuff. And that retroactively like updated the Elemental Evil Player's Companion. So the idea that the Goliath as a whole was just updated. So if I own the PHB and the Elemental Evil Player's Companion, then uh, I didn't have to buy Icewind Dale to get those updates. But when Icewind Dale came out, I just got those updates. 
And that's kind of how it worked. So a lot of people were asking, like, hey, is multiverse, Monsters of the Multiverse, there's updates to the Kobold, to the Goblin, to, uh, well, a whole bunch of stuff, the Yuanti and things like that. Are they going the to be, races. like, is that just the race you play now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm before I tell you the answer, I was curious, how do you think it's going to work? Like, Like, if you were to just, like... Like, looking at the past, looking at the future, kind of things like that. I think it's going to work just like it. every book or supplement that any dungeon master uses in their game. They decide what they like and fits with their campaign. So if UNT from 2020 was the UNT that you really like and makes sense in your campaign versus the new UNT that gets released in 2022 in Mordor then you'll probably just stick with the other one and, and play it that way. But if you like the new one because you know you're going to have player characters playing it or it makes more sense in your world or the campaign you're running, then you're going to just choose that one. So I think it's going to work like when you're bringing in supplements from 4E, 3E, other non you know, other non-Wizards of the Coast companies, and you're just kind of fitting it in. But I think it makes a confusing circumstance for those people that want to only play wizards of the coast official release stuff like maybe adventure league maybe it makes adventure league confusing because you have to play by adventure league rules so what are adventure league rules when it comes to three different sets of like you said goliath so we had a very early edition goliath we had a mid-release 5e edition of Goliath, and maybe Mordecai changes it again, and then we have a later, you know, edition of Goliath. So, which of the three do we get to play when we say we're going to do Adventures League or something? Well, yeah, that and like, that and that's that's at your house, like your house. Yeah. Like I could totally see. I'm playing a game, and they're just like Jordan. I want to use the Artificer from the Eberron book, not the one from Tasha's, or which the was UA article changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was like. You know, there you go. But uh, specifically with D&D Beyond, like, I was wondering if they're going to update all of those races or if they're going to support both. And from an interview with uh, Mr. Joe Starr, um, he was saying that that the monsters and the updated races will not replace your previously purchased material. So... That's pretty big for D&D Beyond, and I know that they stopped supporting uh, playtest material because it was getting too cumbersome. Because even when the actual, uh, like if you're playtesting a Warforge and then the actual Warforge comes out, people still had playtest characters, and they still had to support those characters. You can't just like delete somebody's character because then you're going to really upset your, your customer base. So yeah. it was like a lot of work, and that's why they were like, we're not going to support playtest anymore because it's just, this is ridiculous. But then this is kind of going back to that. Um, mm-hmm. And then per your conversation, like if we are having a, uh, or per what you were saying, like if we are having a at-the-table conversation where someone says, I really want to play, you know, the 2017 Goliath and not the 2022 Goliath, well, mm-hmm. that's not an option on D&D Beyond. So that's kind of interesting, you know? Right. Like, but it's that weird line where was it eroded or was it not? I don't know. So I thought that was really interesting that specifically this book is not going to replace uh, your your material. 
So to me, and I wonder if maybe I'm wrong. I'd have to go back and look at all the errata again. But to me, errata is when they do something that fixes something they thought was broke. Well, in quotations. Whereas I don't fixes. think they think. Yeah, I don't think. Because a lot of times it's just things. words and like you know refining well, right. words, which is but a it's fix, it, but yeah. they considered it broke for some way or it wasn't presented in the way they thought it was, so they had to represent it so that it couldn't be used brokenly or it typically was broke in some way. Um, to me, so to me, errata is just like saying a fix, right? A patch. Yeah. A fix note. These changes to the races don't feel like fixed notes or patches to me. They feel like a restructuring because they know they're going to move to quote unquote, a new system coming up, right? It's like making them fit in whatever this 5.5 or 6E, whatever they decide to call it and moving forward. So they have to do some restructuring to make it fit into that. And I don't know what, what that would even be called. Almost like a, like when you go from a software from 1.0 to 2.0, you don't call that a rata. You don't call that a patch. You call that a new version, right? And you might have to do something I'm gonna, structurally. I'm going to give you the word that you want, backwards there you compatibility. Go. There you go. So, so when I create my Xbox 360, it's going to play all the old <laughs> Xbox One's games. And that's what Perfect. they want. Because yeah. it, And if you think about it, um, and actually I want to point out DM Nathan who was saying uh, that D&D Beyond, Wizards of the Coast gets to choose a lot of how they handle that. So that makes sense too, because if it's wizards, oh, they've saying, got rules. You have got to it. select. You have to support both of these, but because but if wizards also said you can't, we don't want the old Goliath anymore. Like the errata yeah. fixes. That was that, just our so, play test. Yeah. We don't want you. I mean, you're using our license, and we want you to present our stuff. We had some test stuff that isn't really what we were doing. It was just exactly. a test, so it needs to go away kind of thing. And yeah, so yeah, all those that. changes that they made to Volos and stuff, that's probably like, well, you have to. And so it's like, that makes I can sense. see that. Well, thank um, you, Nathan DM. DM but, Nathan. Uh, oh, I totally lost my train of thought about that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> talking about... Backwards compatibility. Backwards Xbox. compatibility, yes. So I was thinking about this. You know, we've we've we really like, well, I should say, you really, really like when there's new character options and stuff. Love it. But when those books have been so few and far between, it's always been, um, like, in all honesty, it's the PHB, it's Xanathar's, and it's Tasha's. Tasha's. Um, And then little books sprinkled in between have some of those little player options to kind of hook people in. So it's like, well, I'll go buy a Ravnica book because I really want that Spore Druid. But now the Spore Druid is in another book. Uh, But the amount of adventures that... Uh, Wizards of the Coast has pushed out and and campaign settings with like Tasha's and and Eberron, not Tasha's, sorry, Eberron it's much and larger. Ravnica and things like that. That's a lot larger. And so if they're in the like we want to we want to sell books and we want to sell books that are done. This makes a great backwards compatibility is going to be key. So the new version that comes out of D and D is going to say, hey. Um, you wanna you wanna buy all these new core books? That's great, but you could still pick up Out of the Abyss or Tyranny of Dragons, and you can play mm-hmm. those because they're all backwards compatible. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that they're gonna do that. So, yeah, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Because yeah, but in all honesty, I've taken so many older adventures and ran them with Five E because I stuff. think it's 
it's really fun. Like I ran a uh, rod of seven parts and like, mm-hmm. that is a two E adventure. And it was really easy for me to adapt because I just kind of did it on the fly. Uh, but I think it's interesting. And, and so I wonder if that's why there's been a focus on um, adventures, like big, hard book, thick adventures that take you from one to 15 and things like that, because they know in uh, retrospect that they'll be able to sell those for a long time. Like those adventures mm-hmm. will become classics in a way, you know? So, yeah. Well, I also think they are trapped a tiny bit in the way they produce books because of the timeline they do it. They are working on books two years ahead of schedule. So when they build their schedule, they built like when they built the 2022 schedule of the books that are going to come out, they were going off of what they thought people would want, but they were still back in 2020 or 2019 or they could have been 2018 when they came up with that list of books that they wanted to create because they're working so far in the future. So I wonder if they have like a lag time of realizing when the community wants something different, but they still have a two year workflow that they have to get through before they could make a big change, right? Before they could say, oh, all of a sudden people love campaign books. So for the next two years, we're building campaign books and that's what our thing is set up. But then eventually they say, you know what? They only want is character options. They can't just all of a sudden switch and say, okay, well, they want character options. Next month, we're giving them character options. The only way Wizards right now, the way they work, could give us character option books only would be two years down the line because they'd have to make a change to the things they've already have planned, already in the works, and already in production. My point with that is they can make a change, and they have. They could. No, they they have in the past because specifically we know from interviews that uh, the Feywild book, uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, was supposed to come out earlier, but when they came out with uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, they pushed that ahead in production, and it shows, I will say. Like, they pushed that (laughs) forward because of the release of Baldur's Gate 3. And that game didn't have anything to do with Baldur's Gate, but the the CEOs made them put Baldur's Gate into the game to tie in right. with the the pre-release of Baldur's Gate three. And, and I it think shows that's the only like example. El Torel yeah. is the main city <laughs> that gets sucked into uh, under or sucked into the nine hells, yeah. and Baldur's Gate has so little to do with it. It's just like what <laughs> like and and it's weird. There's actually a lot of DMs Guild fixes that are like, use this to fix Descent into Avernus and it'll play a lot better. And it takes kind of Baldur's Gate out of the equation. It takes the right. the the Dead Three, because there's like a, a Merkel, uh, there's a cult of Merkel that's in Baldur's Gate that has nothing to do with the story. So yeah. kind of interesting. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's people that are just like, hey, we want to sell more books. This sells books. But you're right. There is... They're it not going to scrap their two-year Like, production. it takes time to write these, and so there's yeah. things. Well, and I'm just saying, they're not, like, on the same chain as, like, a Cobalt Press or a Paizo or a Monty Cook who are thinking about the games they want to release next year, and that's the books they're working on right now. Yeah, smaller team, and they're just Wizards kinda... of the Coast is working on books that release in two years from now or, or two and a half years or three years from now. So it's a different... I feel like there's a different kind of... Um, an inertia that they have to overcome if they're going to make a change. So I think they're slower to changes because of that. And then you have Matt but, Colville who just is like, 
I had an idea about this. Get yeah, right. We'll do it and next do week. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's find some art. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, really interesting. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool that it, they're going to support both, whether that's good or bad. I think it's uh, as a and d Beyond, it's incentive to buy the new stuff. But I also appreciate that you could pick which version you want. But boy, those menus are going to get so huge when you're doing character creation if you have you know two yuanti and like six different dragon marked humans and like all this other stuff that goes on in there it's kind of yeah it's getting well, it's getting and, interesting like uh i don't want to say it's bloat yet because uh like i said at our table you can very specifically say i want to limit it to just this and i think D beyond is getting uh on track with that too where you could say i want to have these are the four books that I'm including in my campaign. And so when a player creates a character in that campaign, they only have access to those. And it, it's really good, I think, to like yeah. limit it like that. Well, and they're not the only kind of show in town, right? You could buy all of your stuff through Roll20, which has all of your characters and all of the yeah. extra pieces and character sheets and campaigns and everything. Or you could buy, uh, what's the other one with, uh, that Coville uses all the time? That's Fantasy not Grounds. Roll20. Fantasy Grounds. You can buy all your stuff through Fantasy Grounds with all the character options and all the character mm-hmm. stuff and, and stuff too. So I think sometimes D&D Beyond seems synonymous with Dungeons & Dragons, but yet it's not. It's still actually a third-party Oh, yeah, yeah. Program it's owned by Fandom and stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's trying to make money off of that license, but it's not theirs, and they have, they have competitors in that market. And we've seen other VTTs and some other kind of campaign logging or character sheet you know saving kind of program starting to pop up demiplane seems to be one that could be a very big competitor for them at some point here yeah you know, in, in the future and we'll see uh demiplane is interesting but i i feel like they're casting a wide net but we'll see if it yeah if they catch anything i checked uh this this week just to see if there's any news from them because i'm trying to keep an eye on it but i didn't see anything yet and i agree i think what they were trying to do is not pigeonhole themselves into a single license to be their their main breadwinner i think they want to capture many licenses to really diversify what demiplane could do versus really tailoring it to hey we're just going to do uh paizo stuff right or yeah. we're just going to do no and, and that's smart because i think like yeah. it really is D and D, you know, ninety percent of the market. You make and, money and I, I would not want to be like, well, if we can't do D and D, I'm gonna do that two percent Paizo market. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, yeah. I want to do the ten percent, yeah, everyone market. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, the numbers yeah. are really clear. Everybody's playing D and D five e. So, I don't know. For now, we'll see. till we get to five five or six zero. Oh. Uh, yeah, we'll see. And I, I, it's interesting. Lots of lot, I've been hearing lots of talk where um, there's been a lot of a lot of uh, or they'll call anger. it next or something dumb. There's been a lot of anger against Dungeons and Dragons lately, and I feel like it's getting to be this weird. Uh, I'm too cool for D and D five e train, and it's like, well, yeah. I play this. I'm too cool for that, and I'm like, you know, I I enjoy a lot of RPGs, but I also really enjoy D and D five e. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, and. No. I don't feel like those people are cooler because they're like anti it. I'm like, if you don't want to play it, you don't have to play it. Yeah. But you but also the don't have don't to do the popular thing. You don't have to explain it to me that it's yeah. like, like I have a friend who refuses to watch star Wars because it's become a thing. Now she's like, she's the girl that's never seen yeah. star Wars and yeah, she doesn't yeah. want to see it. And she doesn't want to yeah. do this. And, 
and it's this like I'm almost better than you because I haven't seen it. And I don't think she really feels that way. It's kind of a joke. But I get the same kind of feeling from this community yeah. that I was like, I'll give you a personal like, example. Yeah, you're fine. I'm not doing this Wordle thing that's on Twitter. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I'm not jumping on this bandwagon of you crazy. No, I'm <laughs> not Wordling, people. I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. I'm better than all of you because I'm not. No, that's. But it is it is one of those things where you see something super popular and it's pushed in your face, maybe so a little much, too right. much. Yeah. That I do feel there's a lot of people going. You know what? We can stop hearing about your D and D game. You know, we're yeah. like there's lots of other games out here, and we all love game, and we don't have to always hear about your D and D. You know, because I think it has gotten that popular, and people do like to talk about it, and it it has become one of those things that's there's a counterculture to it you know like the people that want to i'm part of the group that doesn't like it or i'm part of the group that is only osr or i'm part of the group that's you know only plays powered by the apocalypse because it's so much better and yeah well the uh lex pointed me out to an interesting uh twitter thread that was this guy was going on about D &D and tabletop rpgs and the from what i received from it and i'm not I'm not a, a learned man, I will admit, but from what I gathered from it, they were basically saying that we shouldn't call, like D&D should not be synonymous with tabletop RPGs. And I'm like, okay, I get that because, but it's kind of like Kleenex and tissue. Like it was the first and we're kind of, we, it's synonymous now. Like, I don't know what else to tell you, mm -hmm. um, but they were like going on and on. And I'm like, it sounds like they want to reclassify uh, the term tabletop role-playing game to not be what everyone thinks it is. And they and so it's like, do you want D&D &D to be called a combat-oriented tabletop role-playing game? And like maybe Numenera is a story-oriented tabletop role-playing oh, game gotcha. kind of a thing. Uh, but the problem I have with that is like when a lot of people think of tabletop role-playing game, they think of combat miniature with like a loose story because that's what it is to them and some people are like oh tabletop role-playing game we're doing really serious stuff and we're crying and like we're telling the most passionate story and i would like yeah i don't i don't necessarily think D, D is going to help you tell the most passionate story but like it it's still a tabletop role-playing game in the minds of many many people and so i'm like we haven't collectively as a society come together and say this is what the word TTRPG means. And so that was my point when I was reading that. As I was like, We're, you, you're trying to define something or you're complaining about a definition mm -hmm. that doesn't really exist. So Yeah, yeah. I think we're in that decade or we're in that last three or four years where everybody, there, there's a group of people that are always constantly trying to define or redefine words or common phrases or or trying to pick different terms to use. Like Dungeon Master has been trying to, a lot of people have been trying to get rid of the word Dungeon Master for a while, I think too. And I think it's growing because of the, how the term is, let's be Game Masters or let's mm -hmm. be Storytellers or let's be this or that. So I think there is that, there's always that contingent. Judges. Like you can always find, yeah, you can always find that group that, and because it doesn't fit what they do, they want that term that fits what they do. You know, and I get it. I mean, if you're, if you're a tissue company, but everybody always calls them Kleenex and your tissue is named, you know, Johnson and Johnson or something, whatever it is. You're probably mad all the time that everybody calls your stuff Kleenex when it's not Kleenex, just like 
everybody calls tabletop role-playing games, well, I'm playing D&D. You know, I'm playing Dungeons & Dragons when they explain it to somebody. So I'm sure they would love to break that <laughs> that connection. But how do you break that kind of connection over a, how many years, 50 years of, you know, of a growing term at this point? This is not um, – it's tough, I would think. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of indie – tabletop RPGs or RPGs that are not D&D. Zine Month, this was brought to my attention last night. Um, So it's it's hashtag Z-I-M-O. So it's Zemo. And this is Zemo 2022. This is the first Mm -hmm. Zine Month we've ever had. And you can go to www.zinemonth.com. It's Z-I-N-E month. Uh, Zine. Zine, as he likes to say it. I always say Zine. But so... What this is, is every February, Kickstarter used to do Zine Quest, where mm. all of these people would would basically mm-hmm. build a bunch of Kickstarters for something that they've been working on for the past, like, six months or so um, to get it funded and then to get it sent out. Uh, and it's all very, like, hey, saddle stitch this, staple it, make it a digital only. Like, they want it to be not, like, a a really nice, refined book. Like, it's a zine. Mm -hmm. It's just a fun RPG supplement kind of a thing. I miss magazines. I like them. And I got a lot of them last Zine Quest, which was in February. Well, for some reason, Kickstarter moved Zine Quest to August. And I don't know why, but some people were upset about it. And then that, uh, coupled with kickstarter announcing that they're going to have an association with the blockchain stuff and so a lot of uh people who uh care about the environment and stuff were kind of like i don't really like that i'm not going to support uh kickstarter anymore and so the tabletop industry was like or these zine quest people were just kind of like oh well we're gonna lose a bunch of people because they don't want to support kickstarter and they're pushing our thing out to august we've always done it in february so they started zine month so this February, we're going to have Zine Month. And there's a lot of really interesting uh, things that are uh, already on the on the website. So you can go to the zinemonth.com and click on the showcase. And they have a whole bunch of, of just little cool zines that people are making. Um, and then specifically <laughs> where you can go to uh, back it, basically. Or buy it if it's already done or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to point that out. We'll probably talk more about it once it is February and they're actually up and running. Um, but if you go to, uh, Zemo, <laughs> zemonth.com and go to resources. Zemo. It's a great villain. Uh, it is. <laughs> Aaron Zemo. This is what I wanted to point out is, um, there were, uh, cause a lot of times I'm like, well, if I'm not going to use Kickstarter, what do I do? Like, how do you sell things? Um, and so going here, this was really interesting because it says places to fund and it lists off like, you know, six different things here. And there's game on tabletop, which is like got a pledge manager. Um, there's another one called game dash found that has a pledge manager. Itch.io has a pledge manager that you can do. So a lot of these, um, there are other resources besides Kickstarter. And I think, uh, from what I'm hearing on twitter and and reading this and stuff i feel like a lot of those indie people are going to be moving away um and some of the coolest supplements i've gotten are from the indie community during like a zine quest like uh desert moons of karth which was like a space robot cowboy version of mothership 
Like <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. And so lots of really interesting stuff. Um, I think I got a, a, I forget the what it was, but it was a, it's called like power words or something. And it was mm-hmm. a different way to use spell casting by actually creating sentences and stuff uh, oh, like at that. the table. And so like things that you wouldn't really think of, and they're usually like, what like five dollars or something? So it's cool. You just Baron Zemo. Really yeah, we already have a Zemo. Thank you. What if we did this, Jordan? Wait. Okay, everybody listening, stop listening. This is just for Jordan. This is a business idea, so okay. don't listen. Don't actually. Stop what listening. if we did a Dungeons and Dragons magic system where your spells were built off of foreign languages, and the purpose was to help you learn how to speak a foreign language? So you could buy supplements. Like if you wanted to learn Russian, our magic system would be built off Russian words and sentences. And so while you're playing your Dungeons and Dragons game, you're slowly learning how to speak and understand Russian or Spanish or I actually, that's a really cool idea. So uh, TM, TM, that's ours, trademarked. You guys can't take it. Okay, you guys can listen again. TM, TM. Um, (laughs) No, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good idea. So especially for little kids. Like yeah. uh, uh, 10 years old or something. And you're just like, okay, now you have to say this spell in Spanish. And you're like, oh my yeah. gosh. And you can create sentences for your for your fireball, which is like, I wish to light my enemy on fire, but it's all in Spanish so that they start to learn all of yeah. those words. Doesn't really help they... you when you visit the country though. Cause Unless like you go to fireballs. order, you go to order food <laughs> and the guy's just like, what are you going to do to yeah. my sister? What? So. That might be the Goodberry spell. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Goodberry spell could be ordering in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to think out of the box here, Jordan. Come on. <laughs> Donde está la biblioteca? Yeah. See, perfect. Okay. See, that would be the one. And where can I cast the fireball? Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, El Fuego. Yeah, right? Drunken Yoda. Spanish He's like, Fuego? don't. No, you don't want to hear Jordan speak Spanish. Drunken Yoda. <laughs> Spanish is flawed. <laughs> mm. Uh, so Z- Zemo, check it out. Uh, Lex from Dank Dungeons for some, he submitted one kind of last minute, I think. This Lex but, guy. Yeah. We've been having a lot of fun doing indie reviews on the Jocular Junction channel. Um, so we're going to try and get <laughs> some more out of those, but he's doing a Sea of Myrrh, which is, mm-hmm. um, some kind of piratey, like sailing zine thing he's going to create. I don't really know much about it other than their spells and, uh, treasure maps. So uh, Myrrh to me sounds like an OSR term. Like I've heard Myrrh from somewhere else. Is that another title of something? Uh, I don't in know. OSR. I know that um, there was a guy that brought the Lord Jesus Christ some Myrrh when he was born. So I, I it was like frankincense, right? <laughs> Myrrh. I think there was some gold. Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Three he probably men. was like, I want to do something about the sea, but wait, there's Myrrh. Three wise men. And Got so, uh, M U R, Sea of Mur. Uh, come for the terrible jokes and then leave. Le- because that's Lex what is you're probably like. Do. Yeah, at leave. the end of this episode, Lex is like, would you guys stop actually presenting my stuff? Because you're really ruining yeah. it. <laughs> I, I somehow am losing money. Like, <laughs> yeah. every time you promote my things, Talk about something. <laughs> like, I owe people money. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, they hate your jokes. They hate your jokes. Uh, too funny. Um, so, Zine Quest, check it out. Uh, oh, coming back in, we got a we got a hot Paizo report coming in down Paizo, the pipeline here. Paizo report twenty twenty two, January twenty twenty two. So let's go to our January? correspondent. 
uh, yeah. Sir Lucian live on the field. Yes. In his Pathfinder helicopter. Um, Galactic Magic is out in January. That's the big book that's out for you Pathfinder people that want magic in your in your Starfinder. Um, they wanted to really... I thought this was a cool book because they wanted to make sure and remind everybody that Starfinder isn't just sci-fi. It's sci-fi magic, sci-fi fantasy. It's, you know, it's full-on magic and technology can exist. Um, so Galactic Magic is out in January. You can find that one. Looking forward what is into it? February... What is galactic it's, magic? It's how to use magic and spells and stuff in Starfinder games. And, okay. And so like incorporating stuff. the Paizo ones? Yeah. Like, yep. okay. Or yep. not Paizo. i sorry. The Pathfinder spells into Starfinder? I don't know if it's necessarily like a direct, like their fireball moves over to this fireball, but I think it's using magic in Starfinder and what it looks like. Okay. And there's classes that use magic and can wield magic. They give you more subclasses. They give you more. I think there's char character classes, spells, all kinds of rules in there for using it um, together. Very cool. So, I thought it was really cool. It's something that I want to, when I do my Pathfinder dive, then I think there will be a Starfinder dive after that. Is there a date um, for that Pathfinder dive yet? No, because I'm waiting on a reliable character sheet that will help me learn how to play the game because there, there's so many rules. I don't know them all yet. <laughs> uh, and I need I need something like a, a character sheet builder that helps me know when I'm doing something wrong when I'm building a character, especially for Starfinder. Because when I tried to build a Starfinder character on my own, I felt confused the whole time. Like I was flipping back and forth through pages. Am I doing it right? Blah, blah, blah. We'll get back to that. That'll be a whole series on its own. February is filled with different adventure paths and adventures for both Pathfinder and Starfinder. So if you're looking for extra content, they put out like, you know, um, all these kinds of cool three-part, seven-part, five-part kind of adventure books all year long. They put out a lot of them. And uh, all of February I saw was just a bunch more of these kinds of adventures. And then the big book after that, which would be the big Pathfinder book for this year, is in March, we get Book of the Dead, which I, from some of the artwork I saw and some of the build-up to it looked really, really, really cool. So definitely a, a book to keep an eye out on for you Paizo fans. Uh, and that's all I had for Paizo in January. I did want to swing back around right now. Dungeons and Dragons wise, we're in January. I think because it's the 22nd, I think you can go to the brick and mortar store and pick up the the new box set, you know, the new um, three book yeah, set. Yeah. But on Amazon, it's not out till the 25th or the 27th, something like that. So I think you have a few more days if you're gonna try to order it on Amazon. And I saw both slip cases with different artwork on each. One has the black books that match you know, the regular black black and red books. And then the other ones are these really nice white uh, slip case with white covers yeah. and cool artwork, right? So we have, that's, that's the thing that's out right now. But the thing we're waiting for here pretty quick is also, if you go to Amazon, you can see the new um, Critical Role book that's about to come out, the Nether, Nether Deep book. Mm -hmm. Nether, okay. I think it's Nether Deep. But Darrington Press also just put out uh, Taldori Reborn. Yeah. Taldori Reborn. So isn't it interesting that and for that's Dungeons what, and Dragons... No, that was Critical Role's uh, publishing Darrington company. Press. Oh, that's yeah. Darrington Dar Press. Okay. Darrington Press, yeah. 
So here we are in 2022. The first two big products that we're going to get from Wizards of the Coast for Dungeons and Dragons, not counting a slipcase that's kind of a rehash of two books and a and one book that has some new stuff in it. And that Our new bolt, stuff book is just old stuff updated. So right, yeah. right is basically they're starting the year out with two critical role books because they would have had to say yes to Darrington Press, right? Because it's 5e, or maybe not. Maybe they're only oh, using... Oh, so Taldari Reborn is not associated with Wizards of the Coast at all. You don't it's... think they've got the license or anything? You think they're using only the I think it's just license? the world, open, and it's their OGL. world. Yeah, because they, they released a Taldari book earlier. Well, right, but in the credits, it has stuff for Dungeons & Dragons because they're using the Open licensing. game license, sure. They might yeah, have yeah. that. Yeah, no, I but don't... Our... Wizards of the Coast yeah. has nothing to do with Taldari okay. Reborn. That is not not a product they are affiliated with at all. Yeah, which is why I think Critical Role will take over the tabletop RPG world, because well, they, they just did. They're they doing their two all books of this stuff, yeah. before anything like, else. They could literally take the 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 open game license for Five E, and here, okay, hear me out. So if, if Critical Role, this is Critical Role conspiracy if you're theory. This is how you can take over the world, because if Critical Role got, uh. The all of the great people that made the community kind of like what it is, and I'm thinking of of like uh, all those writers that are working for Matt Coville and stuff like that. Like get all of those people, like Celeste Conowich who wrote all of those fun custom classes for her book. Um, like take all of those people and bring them to Critical Role, and Critical Role pays them lots of money. Uh, you could create. You don't have to use any of the official material, but they could build their own custom classes for the Critical Role world itself, and then release that as like, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons Critical Role, like, and then and then as a standalone game, and you don't have to pay Wizards anything, and then. All of a sudden, you're fighting, do I get this player's handbook or do I get the Critical Role player's handbook? And <laughs> given that 9 million people like watch them every week play d and I could I 100%, I think people would jump on board to play just Critical Role D&D. So, Possibly. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Possibly. I thought it was interesting that the, the first thing we get in 2022 are two books from that, which Wizards of the Coast is putting their book out that's based in that. And the franchise that owns that now critical yeah. role has put in their book out at the beginning of the well, year. And right they probably the made time. a contract because they were like, Hey, we're going to do, uh, I, I bet it's a contract thing because they're like, Hey, we're going to do the season two in this, uh, wild Mount area. And I bet, uh, I, I bet that wizards of the coast was like, well, Hey, can we publish that book? It's like, sure. Partnership. Why not? And then I wonder if that carried over to doing this one as well. That's um, why I linked them together because I wonder if there was some type of deal going on. But oh, I, I meant yeah, Call of the Netherdeep. But I I yeah. I can almost guarantee that they're like you know Taldari is still our like season one is still the most popular, and the cartoons coming out on uh, January twenty like eighth yeah. or something. Yeah, it's it's really quick. So yeah. once the cartoon releases, like. I mean, Taldari is their moneymaker. Like, that's season mm -hmm. one. That's the cartoon. That's, like, I don't think they will ever want to partner with 
wizards on that because they know they can make so much money off of it and it's theirs like why not you yeah. know they don't need the input they made all of that themselves originally so and his first Taldori book that he put out was that green ronin press or was green that... ronin press correct green yeah. ronin press got that one all right. um and that was probably just because they they were like i don't know people will want this let's try and make a book and so but i know acquisitions incorporated uh, the Penny Arcade guys, they were going to make that book and they were like, well, I guess we'll go to Kickstarter or something because like we just want to make this book. Mm-hmm. And that was the same thing where their brand has become so entrenched with D&D that Wizards came to them and said, well, can we publish that book for you? And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, like I guess so. And then we don't have to go through Kickstarter. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but that I mean, that's the same thing. They, they're like, we'll go ahead and do this. Uh, but. I bet Wizards Wizards knows where their their popularity is coming from. So they're like, ooh. Hack Inc. is the franchise or offshoot campaign world that I wish was the most popular one. Critical Role got it, right? <laughs> you know, and then they deserve it. They're really good. But it was the Hack Inc. world that I wished was at, in their position because I love Hack Inc. so much. I oh, that's mean, it's fun. Just, yeah. It's one of my favorite campaign worlds to watch. And Jerry and them have done just a great job you know, spinning stories and stuff. So good. It's more um, like tongue in cheek funny, which I think is why it it appealed to me. Which I love it. Um, And, and I want to run a serious game at some point, but I have a hard time where it's like, (laughs) but puns, you know? And like, I don't know, but I, I really do love acquisitions. But dad jokes. Yeah, exactly. Like, and there's a part of me that's just like, but I just think that's so funny. And (laughs) I don't know. And so for me to be like, Hey, I'm going to run Curse of Strahd. It's not going to go well. Like, people are yeah. going to be like, oh, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll have like a clown pop in and be like, I'm a vampire. And I don't know. So, <laughs> something dumb. Something dumb. That's what I, that's <laughs> I every that. game I've ran. That's Boy, this I is re- something create. dumb. And you're like, okay. <laughs> if you like dumb, that's what I play. All right. So that was the, that, I, that was the one thing I thought was interesting. So we're still waiting at this point on. What is the next non-critical role book we're getting in 2022 from Wizards of the Coast? Well, what have they done in the past? In the summer, it's usually been, well, this summer is going to be Morden Kanan, but they might do another book with that, um, like an adventure or something. But I don't know. Um, well, I don't that's think the Morden Kanan one will count. I think they're going to release that no matter what else is coming out. That's coming out to fix or to give people an opportunity to buy just that one and not the slipcase. So I think that one almost doesn't. I think it's weird that it's coming out like six months after five months after. Yeah. Like, well, they want people to buy the slipcase. They want to make that money. Yeah. yeah. I don't, you don't have to like it, but that's what they want to do. <laughs> they want okay. that money. They want that gift set. Cause Why it's build done. That gift set? That's the weird thing is I'm like, it's done. Like, yeah. you don't have anything else coming out. Like, why don't you just release it? it's got new covers. It? It's got a cool case. It, it's a special edition. So here's my other question. If it's done and it's out in January, why do I have to wait till May 17th to get it on D&D Beyond? Yeah. Like, D&D Beyond did not get a good deal. <laughs> I don't understand why, why it's not out-out, yeah. you know? Like, it's really weird. So... That's D&D Beyond's fault, right? No, it is not D&D Beyond's <laughs> fault. I bet that's Wizard being like, well, you can't release that then. So, I don't know. I don't agree. I imagine there there could always be a weird breakup between those two at some point. Oh, yeah. Where 
Wizards puts their foot down and finally says, you know what? What you guys are doing is actually infringement. You know, like we went along with it, so we never argued it or we never whatever. But at some point, they could no. Break I've that, I've heard it where they're just like I've heard rumors where they're like, you know what we you know what D and D Beyond needs to do? They need to rebrand themselves as like Fandom Beyond, and then oh, once yeah. they don't have the word D and D in there, they could do whatever <laughs> they want, and then they could contact Matt Colville and be like, let's bring in the Beast Heart. Let's do, let's do this. Hell let's do yeah. that. You know. But uh, as of right now, it's very like you would be surprised how many people think that Wizards of the Coast owns D and D Beyond, and so yeah. well, like, and they don't at all. <laughs> and people are surprised that Wizards of the Coast doesn't have a program like D and D Beyond. Yeah, like and that's why another don't they thing. Have I, they, their own competing. They've program? been hiring a lot of people, and yeah, uh, specifically like coders and stuff. And I I think they're trying to put together their own because like I, we talked about this before, where the like the the Hasbro CEO is probably looking at this and it's like, boy, like these other There's companies money. are making a lot of money off of us. Why don't we just do that in-house and make all of the money? But mm-hmm. what they don't understand is all of those companies have had years of developing this platform and stability. Mm-hmm. You can't just like throw together a dozen programmers in like six months and come out with like a super polished, awesome product. But yeah. You know, the analogy that I, that comes to mind immediately is Disney looking at, wow, that Spider-Man movie's doing really well off of our Spider-Man <laughs> that we sold to Sony and we sold it to, you know, these other companies. And wow, look at how much money they're making right now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so very no, interesting. That's, a, that's exactly true. Like, they're just like, why don't we just that's Every, everything's about money which is really sad oh, God, when yeah. you could make cool stuff but that's what we are we're a, we're a country capitalism of money. so to answer your question i i'm gonna look at the last playtest stuff we got which was spell what jammer races nice book? and yes. so i want to say that maybe we're gonna get some spell kind jam. of uh Confirmed. like a, a a campaign setting in the same vein as um uh, Theros and Ravnica, where it's like a little adventure, but like here's how you play in space. Oh, so you think we're gonna like, get here's two how books. you play an ancient, uh, Arth- you know, an, an ancient Athens Greek setting, but we're gonna call it Theros. You and think we're gonna get two books that are not that are not Forgotten Realms related in a row? Because well, that means Taldori, which is not their world, and if we go to a Magic the Gathering world or or Spelljammer, yeah. Spelljammer like could be spell tied jammer. to Forgotten Realms, but... Well, that one would be, I think. Yeah, yeah. But if we go, like, a um, a tie-in to a card game or something else, that'd be interesting if they did two campaigns not related to their normal franchise at all for half a year. That means of all of 2022, half of the year, they've done nothing that relates to their own franchise at that yeah. point. But, like, nobody's chomping at the bit to, like, run more... Forgotten Realms. Wait, like, I love Tomb of Annihilation. I love Star That's King's fine. Thunder. Then go play I, the I ones you haven't played. No, I need new ones. Why do you need new ones? You have all these ones I you haven't played. I need new ones because <laughs> they're so good. They make good stuff. So, also, I don't feel that Wizards of the Coast wants to push the timeline forward in the Forgotten Any, Realms anymore. Because they're, like, they're like, well, if we keep moving it forward, uh, no. people are going to die. We've already re-resurrected certain characters. They can't so. stop until they give us a book 
centered around Thay and pushing us into Thay I, and building I a huge yeah. campaign adventure thing with that. I mean, we've got to get the city of Thay. The Red Wizards have been sprinkled throughout a lot of the yeah, adventures. Yeah, we've so. got to get that. Then that area of the map, just opening that up and really diving into it because we don't get a lot from that. We get the, the Sword Coast a ton. We got some Cholt down in the bottom here but we haven't really gotten much else anywhere else you know we don't get the dales anymore we don't get the the border uh, kingdoms we don't get border kingdoms we don't get anything wherever thay is i I forget where it's at thay isn't thay it's it's very uh uh east but what's around it too like is it oh yeah there's oh there's there's a um uh uh theocracy around it which is uh, all of these like uh deity specific uh heroes that are See? yeah so it there's some we, cool that stuff over could there could be cool so i want that before they decide to give up on forgotten realm stuff well, i don't think they're giving up but if they do a Spelljammer book and then they release another adventure later i don't know so yeah all right well we'll see you guys put it in chat what you think is the next book after the Teldori underworld nether deep book what do you think they're going to announce are they going to announce a a class book and a rules book a campaign book another franchise tie-in book of some sort those are probably our three choices three types of books they put out yeah i don't think it's going to be character options so i think it's going to be like a setting or an adventure um they might do another like short uh multi-adventure book like candle keep or or that's uh, the fourth kind i would say but i don't think those sell well and for a summer book i don't know well, I guess they always are... want the big book to be around the holiday season, so. True. Like, I, I always feel like we get those big ones around, like, October. But they want something December. for d Live. They want something cool for that kind of. They need something for the summer because that's when, you know, Gen Con, all the cons are happening. You know, they can put big well, displays up at those. Early Sell March is PAX Seattle. PAX Unplugged is December. They don't care about Gen Con. August. Yeah, but they don't. Wizards doesn't care about Gen Con. They don't go anymore. Sure, but they usually have a book out before then because all their competitors are putting all their stuff out at Gen Con at, at that August. So they typically get their big oh Dragon big book of the yeah. year before. People are talking about Dragonlance. Those novels are coming yeah. out, so oh, it could be yeah, a Dragonlance maybe. thing. That could be a time. Um, before we switch, I still don't think it'll happen. But I want to talk about Gen Con. We should go yeah. this year. Heck yeah! And we need to shave our heads and be red wizards for Gen Con cosplay. We'll walk around red wizards of Thay, but we gotta shave our heads and get tattoos all over our face. Are you, you are you committed to this? You don't think that's gonna come out wrong in some way? Yeah, it could. But <laughs> the red robes will really show. Oh up. yeah. Yeah, that'll ease the okay, whole... Okay, in hindsight, now that I've said this out loud, maybe we shouldn't do that. But... It all sounded cool inside my head. Oh, was yeah. Felix running around back there? Cat alert? <laughs> He's gone now. Um, uh, sure. What have you been doing in Dungeon of the Mad Mage, sir? You're just going to skip over our talking points. Huh? You don't even want to do it. We could do it. I don't care. Do you want to? I don't know. I, just I don't. In there. I don't. I hate <laughs> it. I actually hate it. Okay, we both hate that topic. 
striking the topic that shall not be named on this show. Yeah, I don't, I don't. And we've got ten minutes left. Let's talk about games. Yeah, we really so. hate it. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Is the problem, and maybe I just don't get it. But okay, gaming wise, Dungeons of the Mad Mage. Yes, we did play a Tuesday game. You can see it on Danimal DM's uh, Twitch channel if you want to go back out and check it. We have a fun party that has a lot of humor and. Um, it's fun because, well, I'll give you something interesting. We went into a room. This is one thing that annoyed me, and I think um, Danimal kind of understood I was getting annoyed about it. It's a room you walk into that has a magical effect that damages you, and they, they wrote it out in such a way that it goes at the 30 and the 15 in the turn order. So they kind of meta-gamed out the initiative order to create this magical spell that you walk into this room and you get damage at 30 and damage at 15. No saving throw. Nothing stops it. And it just happens over and over and over and over. So I was at the... I had rolled bad on initiative, which sometimes happens. So I'm down there at a 6... I don't know what's going on, and I get hit twice by the thing. No saving throw, can't do anything, don't know what it is. I try one thing because that's what you have to do. You have one action, you know, to try. Oh, is it this thing that's that's doing this? Oh, no, that's not it. Okay, well, wait till my next round comes around. Damage, damage. No way to stop it. No way to mitigate it. No no way around it. It was just this thing makes Could it you happen. leave? You could. No, no, no. Well, they put, well... You normally could. So what they did in this room is they put a big, giant, 20-foot statue that steps in front, closes the door, steps in front of the door, and makes sure that the door cannot be opened so that you can leave. Okay. So you no, basically and I mean, try to fight the statue. And you're upset this by this, I assume. I, because now you're taking where much I'm damage. Upset. I don't mind taking damage. What I hated was I had no saving throw to mitigate any of it i never have an ability that i shoot over at a at a creature that doesn't get a saving throw to either have it or you know sometimes it's even they don't take any damage if they make the saving throw all my stuff is based off of the creature gets a saving throw but all of a sudden here's some crazy magical effect and i don't get any saving throw for any of it and I did, nobody did in the room, right? So I just hated that. Um, I went invisible. Didn't matter. It's, the magical effect still affected you. Uh, I can fly. I'm an Aarakocra. I can fly. Doesn't matter. Damage still like, affected you, right? So there was just this really weird... It was like they wanted to build a trap, and they had to make something that wasn't real or existed to just force damage on you without coming up with something that would feel more real and fit in the world, I guess. And just wave it off as, oh, it's ninth level magic or it's wish level magic is the kind of the way they, they kind of hand waved it. Hmm. So I thought it was crap. I thought if you're going to do a cool magical effect, then use one that's in the system. Use a magical effect from the system. Use some type of spell that's within the system. So, what is it? I'm looking for the spell I'm trying to think of. Well, this was like telekinesis. And what it did is it, it, it raised you up off the ground and it slammed you into the ground and made you prone. 
Okay. And it was described as like a telekinesis. Hmm. No, I'm. I thought there was a a spell that you just could cast and it would give you damage. Um, and I think I'm thinking of Guardian of Faith, where there's like a a thing in the middle, and then if a hostile creature moves in t uh, twenty feet, of tw ten feet of that of that thing that you've created, that guardian, um, they take twenty radiant damage. Uh, but it does say that they take uh, they do a dexterity saving throw. So I don't know if there's any that don't have um, saving yeah. throws. So I'm but... okay with the damage. But you're I'm like okay. a player, and I I would look at that as a it. I don't know not not it's a puzzle. And if the DM is going to put that on you and make it like, hey, it's urgent. You're not you don't know why you don't get a saving throw, but you don't get yeah. one. You got to figure it out. Like, yeah, I, I, I think it. that's interesting. I don't know. But what if you can't figure the puzzle out? Well, then you die. That's the, that's the thing. <laughs> but your character could have thought it out because they've got a 21 intelligence. Okay. Well, that's another conversation then. I don't know. So. <laughs> that's what I didn't like things that didn't fit in the rules. It's like it's creating something outside of the rules that you know and exist in the world. But, because you want to make something happen. But that's D and D. Like let's let's do a completely different thing. What if I, sure. what if I can scry <laughs> or something? And so like I am scrying on the enemy. It's a spell. But every time I scry on them, all I see is like I can see other people around this creature. But wherever the creature I'm trying to scry is like a big black circle. It's like I can't see that. That. D the the rules of D and D everything in D and D is called an exception to the rule. Like I I roll a D twenty to hit you, except I have advantage. There's an exception to the rule. Like everything is an exception to the rule. And so this instance, the exception to the rule is you don't get a saving throw, because it's to make the combat more interesting. Okay, uh, so what if I create a creature, and when we run this and your party's there, and I walk up and I say I hit you for twenty damage. And you're like, you didn't roll any dice. No, no, no. I hit you with my sword for 20 damage. Because yeah. I'm just going to make it happen outside of the rule. I'm not going to use the rules that are in place to roll against your armor class, to roll against any of the abilities you have. I'm just going to create a creature that I want because I want him to hit you for 2d20 damage. Okay, well, the way you're putting that, it sounds like your DM is being petty. And you're just like, well, I'm just going to hit you. But no, well, that's how I felt this room was. But if petty. a DM came up to me and said, uh, he pulls out his sword and stabs you. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. I don't, I don't, he doesn't roll. And it's like, no. no, his arm moves so fast. And then like a spectral sword comes out and just slices into you. And you take this much damage. Yeah. I would retreat and be like, we have to reassess this guy. Like, but then what it hits you on? again. You retreated, it hits you again. Yeah, so I keep, I don't know, like, there's a puzzle there. I don't have an answer to this mythical puzzle that I've just come up right. with. That was but, like, the thing. that's I guess my point, I is I, I would <laughs> change my tactics to try and figure out what's going on. And that's... The same thing is, like, I cast Fireball on the Ramirez. It gets supercharged and heals. Like, you could be like, well, that's not fair. Like, Fireball does damage. The exception to the rule is that this creature is healed by fire. Right, but it's a rule. <laughs> it is a rule. So I'm just not breaking things. Like, I feel like it's um. I don't understand. No, I guess we're. Then. I like, guess it's building the trap, and you're making it happen without. I, I don't even know how to do it. Like, what if the only way out of that um, 
trap was, I think the way we got through it was a dispel. But what if you don't have a wizard? Yeah, I mean, that's we just a, die. That's just it. I would, I would talk to him if you're really curious. Maybe we should have Danimal on the show. Well, it's not his. No, no, it, that's what I mean. Dungeon of the Mad Mage wrote it. That's like, what upsets me. But you haven't read it. There might be several ways to figure to to get through that, and you guys discovered one of them. That's possible. So, like, that's but that's my, that's my point is why I was like, I want to have Danimal on here and be like, yeah, yeah, are yeah. there multiple ways to solve this kind of a thing? So, yeah. But what I'm saying is that created a frustration point. Just like if you create a puzzle that, is understandable. that yeah. nobody can can solve, that creates a frustration point in your game, and that's a real thing. Whether yeah. it's right or not, it's still frustrating. No, I mean, and you could be very frustrated, and, and uh, I was, <laughs> and I think, and I'm not trying to say like your feelings weren't legitimate, but. What I am trying to say is, like, I try to explain to my players, when you are frustrated here, um, mm-hmm. which I have had lots of players, uh, actually, my Dungeon Crawl Classics game, where they're just like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And I'm like, okay, everyone, let's just step back. Like, there's no timer. Well, in this case, there wasn't a timer. And I'd be like, think, like, what else can you do? Like, think, I'm open to, to entertain creative ideas. And then they came up with a creative idea. I think the same thing could be here, where if you were just vocal and said, I'm a little frustrated, I don't have a save, I don't really understand what's going on, can I discern anything about this before it's my turn again? And I, I, if, and I mean, I don't know Danimal as a DM. He might just be like, no, you're dead. Like, screw you. But I, I get no. the feeling that anybody would have been no, like, no, he... oh, yeah, you did notice that there's, like, magical tendrils coming over here. Well, can I use my magic sword to cut those tendrils? Like, I don't know. You know, there's got to be a way to yeah, solve yeah. the problem. What he, he doesn't did just do, want to actively hurt you. Yeah, no, what he did do, because he saw that we were getting frustrated, was that he allowed us to partially push open the door because half our party was trapped outside and there was only two of us inside. Uh-huh. And normally that statue probably weighed enough, like, it probably like you know, tons of stone. And there's no way you would probably normally have pushed the door open. But he allowed, you know, the party to try to push it open and then more players try to help out yeah so he was mitigating but he did that on purpose because he realized he was we were getting you. frustrated on this thing that was created in such a way that there we tried 10 creative things i'm gonna and go he, read this he had to say no to I all have of to, them i have to know what this puzzle is what floor <laughs> were you on <laughs> we are on the uh it's uh halister's level nine level floor nine okay and uh there is an area in there that has two statues. This is spoilers for everybody. Two statues with elephant's heads. And there's a DS and a double doors. And when you walk into the room, it triggers this whole thing to happen. Man, I'm going to read this. And most people say it's Halister's magic. So Halister can just do level 11 spell stuff. So um, you just Well, according to, to Mistra, we're not allowed to do anything above ninth yeah. level. Sorry, uh, I'm, I'm breaking your rules for my trap. I'm going to a level 11 spell. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I don't know. No, I I think this is a good discussion. I just think we're coming it at up, it. You're trying to solve it, and what I'm trying to explain is that it created a frustration point that I think you need to be careful of in your games. Okay. Because if your players walk away from that not having fun, they're more likely to call off the next session or just say, "Hey, I got, I'm going to go to a movie." Uh, next Tuesday. So guys, I can't make it or something. Because if they're not having fun, it's easier to find reasons not to show up for game night. And I'm not saying you have to make it so easy 
that that's not that's not how we find fun. We like hard challenges, but sometimes things just I don't know. They're just if there's only one way to solve something, that's probably a bad thing to add to your campaign. I would because agree. if they don't think of that one thing and they struggle the whole time thinking of twenty five other things, it's not fun. Yeah, no, that is a bad thing. Do not do not create traps or puzzles or combats where you're like, I know how to get out of this. I'm the DM, but there's only one way because if your players don't discover that and they die, they will be very angry and frustrated. Yeah. So a lot of times, and, and that's just bad design to be like, you can only do this. When I create some of those, I don't even have an idea of how to solve it because I want mm-hmm. whatever the players come up with, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. You're right. And I'll change it on the fly. So I agree with that. Um, I also, I don't want to say the, it's, it is also the player's responsibility to have fun at the table too. So if the players are not communicating that they're like, listen, I'm really frustrated. Like, can we take a break or can we do this or something? <laughs> uh, it is not the DM's responsibility to ensure that everyone's having fun. It is a collective mm. tables group to have fun. That is, so. everybody should be contributing to make sure everybody yes. has fun. The <laughs> so, DM has to be a part of it, but they're not Because the I've been at games where yeah. one player ruined a lot of the stuff. Everything. And I had players who were like, I don't think I'm going to come back. And it's yeah. because of blah, 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 you know? And you're like, oh, shoot. Yeah. So, yeah. uh Awesome. This was actually a really good conversation we should have had more of, but that's good. It just was something that happened, um, and we got through it, and we talked about it, and after the fact, we realized some of the things were there, and he let us kind of wiggle out of it a little bit. Yeah. Whereas, really, he could have played it by the rules, and we probably would have lost two of our characters, but we're at the level now where you can resurrect anybody if you really need to, so it's not that big a deal. It just was a... A frustration point. I just thought it was an, you know, one of those things that sometimes happens in your game. So, I would bring it up in our game. That was the note of, um, the big thing that happened in our dungeon, the Mad Mage. So cool. that was we're we're now going down to level ten. But look it up in level nine if you want to see what it is. Level nine's big. I guess this whole thing is big. Yeah, level nine is the Dual Monarchcraft School. Dwemacore. Dwemacore School. Yeah. So that's an interesting level to play on, which is really fun for Dungeon of the Mad Mage if you make it there. Now we're going down to 10, which looks like maybe Drow. So now we might be getting into some Drow drow area. So we'll have to see how that turns out. So definitely come watch the show. I think our characters are really funny. We have a lot of good interactions. Um, we're is it all um, franchise that's diving. Is it backlogged it. on YouTube anywhere? Or is it also just on Twitch? I think he puts it all on Twitch. I do not know if he's also moved it to YouTube or not. Okay. I'll have to ask. I'll ask him in our next game and find out. I'd just be curious if you if you could listen from the beginning. That would be fun. So I don't know yeah. how Twitch works. I'm 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 a geriatric millennial. I don't really. You know. You could save it if you want, but I don't know if he's done that. Okay. You have to actively do it because if you don't actively do it, it only saves it for about three weeks and it goes away. Yeah. But you have a button to push if you want to actively keep it archived. Okay. So maybe he's done that. Maybe he's not. Um, and he's a great DM. And he does a great job of understanding when we're frustrated and understanding what's going on. Um, and I would hate to, to to run a game for my party right now because we're a bunch of min-maxers that take the rules to the extreme and try to, you know, 
try to win the game. (laughs) So he's got to deal with that all the time. So I don't blame him at all for that. Um, But it's been really good. It's been a fun campaign. And I can't wait to see if we get all the way through it. 26 levels or however many levels of the Mad Mage there actually are. I can't wait to be able to mark. I want my bat. Remember when we talked about merit badges that you were going to make for... I want my Dungeon of the Mad Mage Heck merit yeah. badge because there are not going to be very many people that have done the entire thing. Oh, I want to make those so bad. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now I'm just reading uh, Dungeon of the Last Mage. So, <laughs> Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Dungeon uh, of the Last Mage. That's ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thank you so much for hanging out um, with us this fine evening. Uh, I, If you're on our Discord, I've been working on a drow game that I've kind of been putting out some little things mm-hmm. about. So if you're interested in um, kind of the DM process that's there, um, I also might be making, um, I, I'm thinking about doing some streaming to kind of uh, work on the Drow game. So uh, subscribe to the Jocular Junction, um, subscribe to Twitch, uh, and I'll try to do some live streaming here and there and we can we can chat about uh and if you're ever if you're on the discord in the announcement sections i'll usually put an announcement that i'm live streaming but uh i found some really cool drow trader cards that were a foray thing that i want to implement in this drow game where you can you can play a card as an action that does something detrimental to your uh your party member but helps you and I was like, oh, that could be kind of fun. So I've been experimenting with that. Uh, we, I haven't told you this, Lucian, but I will not be here next week. So if oh. you want to have a guest, you are guest. more than welcome or take a week Maybe off. Maybe Danimal. Um, that would be fun, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> I am, uh, oh, Zine Month link. Yeah, so. I put it out in our Twitch. So I didn't do it there. here, so. Um, While you're saying that, I did have a joke that reminded me of you I saw on Twitter that said, what if you allowed a Strider to be a playable class? So that's the half half draw, half spider, right? Oh, or Drider. Drider. Yeah. And they were the cleric of the party. That makes them the web MD. Yeah, that's good. That's See? Good. I knew you'd like it. <laughs> that's very good. Um, uh oh see so, just kill them yeah now i'm just <laughs> done freeze. all right oh i won't be here next week uh it's won't my friend's birthday week. and he oh, wanted to play birthday. board games in oh, the morning fun. so i'm gonna drive over to and i'm like i can't see that so gloomhaven no i think we're playing gloomhaven, gloomhaven or Scythe, yeah. one of the two so um Good ones. should be fun uh we'll be back the week after follow us on twitter to figure out if we're having a show next week other than that we will see you guys uh next time take care Bye-bye.